from the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs. This is the Locked On Chiefs podcast. This is Locked On Chiefs, and before we get rolling, I just want to take this opportunity to say thank you to each and every one of you listeners out there that has helped us this season and been part of this ride for what has been, to this point, an incredible season. We want to thank you so much because of the milestone that we achieved this year. In mid-December, we were able to hit the 2 million listen mark this year in 2019. And that's thanks to all of your downloads and all of your listens and all of you spreading the word. So we want to take this opportunity to say thank you very much. A banner year for us and just the beginning as we look to even double that again next season and grow even farther as this team heads off to the postseason and beyond. Thank you again, every last listener. And here's the show. Welcome back to Locked On Chiefs, where your Chiefs have taken the number two seed and look to move into the postseason. The question that we have to ask today is this. Are the Chiefs ready to go down the Super Bowl road after winning against the Chargers and getting themselves a bye week and the number two seed? That is a tall order. And the question really comes down to they have one opponent they may have to travel to, and that is Lamar Jackson and those Baltimore Ravens. Big team that is ready to play I think just as much as the Chiefs are and again we'll have a week of rest but this team has a history against them uh, against Lamar Jackson himself that I think precludes any assumptions about what that game will be the only real question at this point is can the Chiefs continue to do what they've been doing especially with the news that came out Monday about Juan Thornhill having torn his ACL in a non-contact injury against the Chargers It can't be stated exactly how big of a loss that is for this particular team because Thornhill has been playing very, very well, and his progress as a rookie for this roster has been incredible. We have to go back to admitting that Thornhill's progression has actually allowed the defense as a whole to get better. He has allowed Tyron Matthew to be what he is in roaming the underneath, in making plays, and being able to be used in so many ways that Steve Spagnuolo gets the advantage of not giving away what he's attempting to do to the opposing quarterback. And that is very, very key. Without Juan Thornhill, who will miss the regular season, will miss OTAs, uh, even if he's on a standard timeline for an ACL repair and recovery, uh, you're looking at maybe being able to be on time for camp. But I think that may be a stretch as well. Um, very, very difficult timing to be hurt so late in the season uh, for a player that is such a linchpin and becoming more so as they progress. Andy Reid was very kind in his words towards Juan Thornhill and what he's done and what his future will be, but did admit that this will slow down his timeline a bit. We'll get more specifics as we get through the offseason, but in his wake, it looks like Armani Watts and Kendall Fuller are going to have to fill in the spaces in between, which is somewhat of a taller because Armani Watts had not played very much until that injury occurred here in 2019. And while he does have some experience from the previous system, that doesn't necessarily come over and give him the basis to play well for Steve Spagnuolo, but he's going to get a chance. I think it's clear that particularly playing at the back of the defense is something that they feel that Watts is more comfortable with and a better fit for than, say, a Lucas. That's why he got in there, and I think he allows them to continue down the path that they're going with Kendall Fuller, who we're going to talk about here in a little bit, because Matt Derrick from Chiefs Digest is about to join me after this first break. 
And we are going to discuss Fuller because Fuller's progression has been very notable as well. A guy that came into training camp and was clearly struggling in his role as the nickel cornerback. Something that at the time we were very, very concerned about. Then he has the injury to the thumb, the wrist, uh, that required a repair. uh, Had him out for an extended time. And when he came back, that's when he began to drift into this other role. Because I think what they had found is that Fenton was holding down the fort in the slot enough that they felt like he'd try to experiment at doing something else at the back end. Somebody else that can repeat, or maybe not repeat, but do something similar to what Tyron Matthew does, in that he can come down and cover the nickel, he can come down and cover tight ends if he has to, he can play in space, he can play deep if he needs to, and he can play underneath in that intermediate role, the robber area that we talk about Tyron Matthew all the time. All that is great, and I I do believe that that does uh, help Kendall Fuller in his outlook for seasons to come. We'll talk about that with Matt and get his opinion as well. But all that is predicated on what's going on in the back of the defense. And Juan Thornhill had grown into the role enough that he was able to lock that down by himself and, and man the deep middle in a way that allowed everybody else to play these roles. What that means for the future... We're going to have to see in terms of how this team can deploy their safeties. I do expect them to play uh, multiple safety looks continually because I think that's where Spagnuolo wants to go. Uh, We'll see how Watts comes around. It could be Fuller playing the single high. It could be Watts playing the single high. We will get a feel for that probably after they begin practicing again later in the week. With that said, I want to get Matt on here, so we'll come back from this break. Matt Derrick will be with us from Chiefs Digest. And now we're lucky to get Matt Derrick back. He's been very busy. The Chiefs wrap up the regular season and uh, found out who who they won't play, uh, especially this next week, waiting for an opponent. Matt, how was, how was your take on the way that the regular season ended, and how are you doing? Uh, yeah, doing pretty well, Ryan. Hope everybody's doing uh, great out there as well. Happy holidays. Happy, Merry, Happy New Year. Merry New Year. Whatever it needs to be. All of a sudden, <laughs> I'm like Steve Spagnolo, and I don't know what time or day it is. Um <laughs> Just start calling players by their initials. <laughs> exactly. No, I. I mean, for the Chiefs, I'm not sure that the end of this season could have gone any better than it, it did. I mean, I, the only really blemish on it is that you lose one Thornhill in the last game of the season. Um, but the offense looks like it's right now. It can do almost anything it wants to at the speed that it wants to. Um, I, I don't. I don't think you see any real concerns there. The defense has been solid. Even, you know, giving up 21 points to Chargers, I don't think is that bad, uh, especially the way the Chargers were being pretty aggressive on Sunday. I don't think that's a bad sign. You get a big play out of special teams. Um, I think this was this was another one of those games. I think you could say it was pretty close to a complete game from uh, this time, all three phases. So I think that I, I think this team's got to be pretty happy with where they are going into the postseason. Yeah, I agree with you. Overall, I I certainly feel like they're in a good spot. That lone asterisk is what we found out on Monday is that it is indeed a non-contact ACL tear for Juan Thornhill, ending his season and quite honestly, putting his his offseason at a disadvantage. There probably is. It's unlikely it'll be OTA. It's unlikely that he's going to be ready for camp when it first starts. But your impression on this season to, to lose him in the last week is definitely tough, but his progression during the 2019 season, what's what's your big takeaway on him? Yeah, I mean, I think that's been one of the, the biggest positives for this team has been the progression of some of their rookies. And Thornhill, I think, stands out big time. 
because I, as much as I think there's a direct correlation between Frank Clark getting healthy and this defense improving, there's also a correlation with the way that Juan Thornhill really started fitting into this defense and the way they were able to use him and how this defense progressed as well. Because you got down to the end of the season here and they trusted Thornhill enough to leave him on the back end all the time. They could play him as a single high. They could use him in a lot of different ways and feel like they could trust him to handle the back end all by himself. They didn't feel that way early in the season. They felt like they needed a little bit of help. But as it progressed, you know, he, his, his reads were getting faster. He was getting more comfortable back there. He was learning more and more of the, the scheme and getting it to the point where they were then able to use Tyron Matthew wherever they needed or wanted to. And you saw with Thornhill out, they had to back off that a little bit. Um, you saw, you know, Matthew maybe backing off a little bit. You saw them playing with, you know, maybe Fuller and Amari Watts, both kind of dropping back on the back end. So I, I think the worry with losing Thornhill is that maybe you're going to lose a tad touch of your aggressiveness up front and some of the things that you can do with Matthew. But they've got two weeks to try and get some guys up to speed. And and as Andy Reid said on Monday, I mean, it's, you know, it, what what the D Chiefs have been doing, what Steve Spagnuolo has been doing is this season been figuring out what are the strengths of his guys and how to deploy them. And that's how I think this defense really kind of started getting into a rhythm late is that he finally figured that out. He finally knew his guys well enough to say, okay, these are the things that I can do, and this is how I can I can play aggressive with this team. Now he's going to have to tweak that a little bit. And yeah, I mean, Kendall Fuller and Armani Watts look like they're going to have to pick up the slack. And those are two guys. that I, the, the Chiefs really trust Kendall Fuller. Armani Watts, I think, showed him a few things on Sunday, so that makes them feel good. But they've got to figure some things out. I mean, that's that's really the big question for them defensively, I think, is just figuring out how they're going to handle that loss. I have to agree with you. I thought I saw a couple of things from Armani Watts that I liked. Uh, he, he, even going into the season in training camp, I think we had the discussion that I felt he was best back there as a backup to Thornhill playing that single deep because I think that's what they really lose without Thornhill is the ability to go single high and really crunch everybody at the line of scrimmage because you just don't have the experience with Watts. And quite frankly, with Fuller either. We'll talk about him in a minute, but does it necessarily preclude them? Does it make them play more cover two or cover three concepts with Watts back there rather than Thornhill? I, I think it could because I I think you saw a little bit of that, them, them doing that on Sunday. I mean, you saw, uh, and they may have already been planning on playing a lot of nickel coverages anyway, um, going up against the, the Chargers and Rivers and, and knowing the guys out of the backfield and they would rather have a safety covering those guys. So maybe they were already planning that, but they really went hardcore on really that, that that dime package late, you know, no, you know, Damian Wilson only played 21 snaps. Um, he's had some, you know, they've, they've kind of tweaked his usage depending on the coverages that they play. So I, I'm I'm curious to see how they will come out in in the playoff game, whichever team that they're playing. Because like I said, the Chargers were a team that maybe they're going to do a little bit of that more anyway. Um, but I I think that they will feel a lot more comfortable probably playing a little bit more cover two, cover three to try and kind of mask some of the, the loss that they have with Thornhill um, because it, it, you, you got to fit everybody in there. I mean, you saw when they were dropping, you know, Matthew back you know, a lot of times because they had Dan Sorensen in there who they like much more in the box. It's more of almost a really a linebacker than anything else. Um, they've got to tweak a lot of different things. And so that, and that could certainly mean tweaking the coverages on the back end too. I, I think it probably, not to be predictable, but I do think it limits what they could do. Although again, I like Watts in that role. I was not surprised to see uh, Jordan Lucas not play as much in that particular role. But I think what it gives you overall, like you said, is it depends on the opponent. 
if they face the Titans or eventually, uh, or if they get a team that's going to run at them more, say, I, I feel the Bills will, especially with Singletary, if they make it through the wild card, um, maybe that lets them play Raglan more, play Damian Wilson more, uh, be in the base a little bit more. Maybe that does let them go a single high. But I think it's really going to be dependent on the opponent that comes to Arrowhead there in the divisional round. Yeah, I, I think it does because, you know, of the of the three possibilities, they're all a little bit different. I mean, it's either going to be the, the Patriots, the Texans, or the Bills, and and those are three different flavors. So, uh, yeah, and the Chiefs have played two of those teams already, and, and you, you saw a little bit of what they did. And they were they were different approaches in those games with the Patriots and the Texans. So um, they they are kind of in a tough spot, I think, in the sense that they do have to prepare for three opponents who are fairly distinct, which is one of the reasons why I think Andy Reid said, you know, when they get back to work on Thursday, he, it's going to be more about fundamentals. It's not going to be opponent specific. It's just going to be about getting better overall. And then once they know who they're going to be playing on Saturday, then they can start getting into the hardcore, you know, how they how are they going to attack these teams? I, I think they have to get back to a little bit of fundamentals. It's, it's an advantage not only to get the extra rest, but to kind of refresh yourself, tackling technique, just the basics, because you don't have an opponent to study for this week. And I hope that they take full advantage of it. I was going to say the player, the players might regret that because Andy was talking today. It's <laughs> like, yeah, Thursday, Friday, pads are going to be on. We're going to be doing some hitting. And, you know, late in the season, he's giving them a break. I mean, you know, Wednesdays are usually pretty light. So these these practices at the end of this week, they, they might be a little bit more than they want to handle. Well, and then you said they're going to take a break and then regroup on Sunday as well, right? Yeah, they'll 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 have a couple of practices in. And then once they know who their opponent is and they get to Monday, they're going to go back to a normal normal routine schedule. OK, well, when we get back, we're going to take a look at one other aspect of that defense. And then we have to touch on the offense as well as it gets ready. Uh, really hitting its stride, I think. So we kind of skipped over it because there are other things to talk about, but I do want to get your take. Um, I first noticed Kendall Fuller taking snaps at safety quite quickly after he got back on the field uh, from the thumb injury. And I've been touting it for quite a while. I feel like that's becoming a way that he can stay on this roster in the future Uh, because he is so good in, in zone rather than man. I feel like it fits pretty easily. But do you anticipate what we've seen so far becoming the standard that he actually makes a position move? It's possible. I mean, I, you know, in his status, you know, next year's next season is still completely up in the air. There's no contract extension yet. So it's unclear what role, if he'll be around and what role it could be. But I think that if, if he does stick in Kansas City, frankly, I think they really like what they have found for him, which is this jack of all trades, Swiss Army knife guy. Um, he can play anywhere. I'm not. I don't know if he's he's got the the true durability and maybe the speed to to be a a true safety full core all the time. But as Andy Reid, you know, said on Monday, they they like his football mind. He sees everything so well. He reacts well. He can do a little bit of everything and. And that's what's made him pretty effective at this point. But it's also been, a, you know, what I think that, you know, shied them away from making him a full-time corner this year is that he's really good at everything, but I'm not sure that he's fantastic at any one thing. And maybe that does better suit him to being a safety, but they feel like they've got a really good role for him right now, which is that they it, it, it frees them up to do what Steve Spagnuolo wants to do, which is multiple fronts and show you a different look almost on every single play. And when you've got two guys now with with Fuller and Matthew that you can do that, 
and you never know what position they're going to be, where they're going to play, what coverage you're going to play on almost every single play. When you could do it two different guys, that's a huge advantage. And so I could, I could certainly see, we haven't seen him go to like a full core safety mode. I mean, I think the, you know, pro football focus, I think had him down with maybe 17, 18 safety looks on Sunday, a few more, you know, free safety looks, a few more in the box. Um, but playing around a little bit of everywhere seems like it might be pretty well suited for him. Yeah, I agree. I, I really like what it does. Again, like you said, letting Sorensen be in the box and take that aspect from having to put him in the back and then allowing Armani Watts to really be the last line of defense. I like the idea of being able to drop both Matthew and Fuller down. That's that's a matchup problem for most teams, especially when you don't have Julian Edelman in the slot. That makes things hard. So I, I really like the way that it's going, and I think it may just be the ticket that gets Kendall Fuller to, to return to Kansas City in 2020. We'll We'll have to see. But that said, a couple of wrinkles with where going to IR. Uh, Damian Williams is running very hard. Uh, I like what we saw there. I think we saw some good interior runs from Thompson yet again. I like his role there. Do you think they have enough at running back to, to get through attrition should it start to hit in the postseason? Well, I think it's an excellent question that you raised just simply because you, we don't know what they think of LaShawn McCoy right now. Um, didn't play any snaps on Sunday, was active, but didn't play any snaps. He would be going into that that divisional round game on the 12th uh, in the last month, having played one game and 17 snaps. And that's, I mean, it's counterintuitive for a back like McCoy, who always feels like he's that kind of back that feels like he needs more work to get into the flow of a game. And hey, maybe that's their plan. Maybe the, the idea is that they really got to midseason and said, you know what, we're going to shut down McCoy, rest him make him fresh for January so that we've got that weapon in the bag. But I mean, increasingly it, it just looks like they're, they don't have any plan for him that he's, he's he at this point is just simply a backup. And yeah, I mean, that might, maybe that's a, good, a valuable backup to have if they get some more injuries because they are now a little thin at that position. Um, but it, you're, you're, I think you're putting an awful lot on Damian Williams back right now because he's got to be the guy that does almost everything. Um, Darwin Thompson could come in and give him some spells at time. And, and I thought he looked pretty good on Sunday. I mean, he, has, he continues to have some up and down rookie moments, but he looked like he was running pretty aggressively and, and I, I think looked well overall, but, uh, you know, Damian Williams, I don't see how he can be anything, but your featured full time lead back going into the playoffs. Cause I think he's the only one that can carry the workload right now. Well, we know that he peaked in the postseason last year, and I, I feel like he's ramping himself up for that again. And I've just been, I've started to not even talk about LeSean McCoy because I, exactly what you said, I don't have a clue what's going on there. And I can't really speak intelligently about something that is just so devoid of any information. So whoever runs the ball, run the ball. It, you have three guys that you could trot out there if you need to. That aids, I think, everybody but Thompson aids in, in the passing game. Uh, which didn't quite click this last game. A lot of screens called, and I think that was probably based on the opponent and based on trying to uh, counteract what they were taking away deep. But screens and Travis Kelsey seemed to be the early offense, and it didn't work that well. Do you have a feel for how they, they need to correct that? Well, the the timing certainly seemed off at times, and, 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 and things seemed a little bit out of sync early. Um, I thought that improved as the, as the game went on, but they had a few different miscommunications. Um, you know, the interception was a miscommunication Hill running a different route than what Mahomes expected. Um, what you had Mahomes drilling Jamie Williams in the back. 
Uh, you had Sammy Watkins kind of, you know, giving up on that route on the free play. I mean, there there are enough, there were enough miscommunications across the board, not just in the, I think in the, the screen game, but really everywhere that concerns you a little bit. But at the same time, when this team looks like it's it's perking along, when it gets in sync, it seems like everything is going well. And and, and some of that timing issues, I think it may have been a little bit related to the Chargers because I, I think they really focused on trying to take away the P and the RPO. And that may have explained a little bit of the success Damian Williams had and in, in, in even finding that cutback hole in that lane for the big run. Because um, even go back to the last time these two teams played, you know, the Chargers really tried to take away the RPO game. And I think that overall they, they did that pretty well against the Chiefs this season. Neither teams have. So I feel like that's probably, I don't know if you can take a whole lot away in some of the timing issues that the Chiefs had in this game, but it's at least worth something to keep an eye on. Well, the other thing that really popped out to me was not only that making the Pro Bowl is a kick returner, but Nicole Hardman has gotten to the point where we all theorized possibly he could as a rookie. I feel like he's hitting his stride. He didn't get many targets the last three, four weeks, but he seems, at least in the latter half of the, the season, in the regular season, to make the most of his targets. And is he somebody that maybe Reed's been keeping in the bag a little bit? to try and not put on film for opponents until they get to the playoffs? Well, I, st- I still think that the the only thing really holding back McCall Hardman at this point is just simply getting a grasp of the entire playbook. And wow. that's not a knock against McCall Hardman. That has more to do with the fact that r- rookie receivers do not come into an Andy Reid offense and get everything immediately and just take off. I mean, there's really only, really only Deshaun Jackson and Jeremy Macklin and what Reggie Brown, I would put in that category, were three guys who came in and immediately understood ever, uh, enough to be able to be full-time receivers and make impact plays consistently throughout any game. Um, Hill, you could put that into that category the second half of the season, but in his rookie year, it took him some time, and they still spelled him and didn't you know, really make him a full-time guy. He just did, you know, did a, like Mahardman did, just making the most of his opportunities and maxing them out. Um, Hardman, I, 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 I think if you're a Chiefs fan, you've got to be excited because this guy shows all signs of being able to be a breakout guy in 2020. Right now, he's incredibly valuable for what he is, which is a guy that can go out there and reliably give you, you know, 20, 25 consistently good snaps in the specific role that he's in. If he's going to play a bigger role than that, it's because they've got an injury. And that might be a problem because, I, I, you know, they, they do feel like that there are some routes, concepts, things that he still needs to pick up. And once he gets that down, like I said, he's going to be a very, very dangerous weapon. But so far, they're still just sprinkling him and, and giving him enough for him to handle without overloading him. And that volume, I think, is, is going to help him in the long run, help them get ready for whoever this next opponent is. The last thing that I want to know is just your impression of the postgame locker room. It was quite a day for that team, not only to... Uh, have a Chargers team that they know well and that they know was going to give them a fight. But I think that might even caught them off guard, just how much of a fight we're in that Chargers team. But to then realize, as the, the crowd was letting them know that what the Dolphins had, had managed to pull off and, and getting from what they thought was going to be a long road to a, a, a bye weekend, a number two seed, what was that locker room like in that reaction? Yeah, let me tell you, that that locker room was no different than any other Chiefs fan in that they did not expect that to happen. They they did not enter that game thinking there was any chance that the Patriots were going to lose and that they'd get at the number two seed. Um, And and 
to a man, I mean, everybody I talked to, no one said that they knew anything about that score until um, the end of the game when when the Dolphins did get the go-ahead touchdown. Um, Andy Reid even told us on Monday, said, yeah, I, he didn't know until the crowd started cheering, and he knew it had to be the, the, the Dolphins won because he's like, there was nothing good happening in our game at the time, so that absolutely had to be what it was. Um, I think Patrick Mahomes even heard it from somebody, you know, on, in the stands when he was asking why they were all cheering. Uh, so, you know, there was you could see that. I mean, they, they I think I think that helped, you know, kind of add to the emotion of it, the way that that unfolded at the last minute, you know, in the game, them not knowing what was happening and, and living with that, you know, result in, in New England and worrying about it. They really put it out of mind. And then when they find out at the end of the game, hey, this has happened. Um, yeah, it was it was a, it was a really you know happy locker room. They were pretty jovial. There was a lot of handshakes and everything you know clapping going on. They were um, could not have been more excited for those guys. Could not have been more excited to have their pictures taken with Rob Rickle and David Keckner, <laughs> who didn't see Eric Stone Street. I know he was there for the pregame, but in the locker room, um, I maybe I'll get maybe someone get mad for me for sharing this story. But the biggest thing that cracked me up was watching uh, Kansas City Stars Sam Mellinger being asked by Dorian O'Daniel to take a you know picture of him with <laughs> Kector and, and Riggle. Um, that was a surreal sight. So it, it just cracked me up. Um, How are Sam's photo chops? Uh, look, look pretty solid. So I may, I may, maybe Dorian's posted on social media. So, you know, now you know who took the picture if you see it around. Okay. Um, but I'll say this, you know, comparing this locker room to last year at the same time, uh, that's a stark difference to me because there were similar emotions. I mean, last year, this team was confident. They thought that they were, you know, hey, they're number one seed. They had every reason to believe that they could be a Super Bowl team last year. But it's different because, you know, last year at the end of the season, it was, you know what? We can win any game because we've got Patrick Mahomes. And the guys on defense were like, you know what? Yeah, we don't know. We don't know what's wrong. We can't put our finger on what's wrong with this defense. But we feel good about the fact that we know that, hey, even if we're not playing well, there's Patrick Mahomes. Now, this team, every other word out of their mouth is swagger. I mean, they feel it. And, you know, and maybe a big part of that has been Terrell Suggs coming in and preaching that message in the last couple of weeks and Tyron Matthew preaching that message, Frank Clark. Um, this is a team that's confident. And they're, they believe now on every side of the ball that when they get on the field, they feel like they're the better team right now. That goes a long, long way. I'm looking forward to them proving that again after they get through a little bit of rest and some a uh, couple of tough practices this week. But thanks for taking the time to fill us in. We were always look good, good and well forward to your take uh, on what is a, a really unique trip for this particular team uh, at this point in Andy Reid's career, to tell you the truth. So we'll try to get back with you next week and then get some more insight. But thanks for everything today, Matt. Sounds great, Ryan. Happy New Year. And, folks, we'll be back with you tomorrow. We will continue to look at this game, give you our, our post and our uh, film reviews, get with you next week, and then we'll start looking forward to whoever that opponent is. Thanks for listening to us today, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Ryan Tracy is the founder of Rogue Analytics and the host of RGR Football on YouTube. Follow him there. Chris Clark is a senior analyst at ChiefsDigest.com, where you can get his work. Rate and review at Apple Podcasts, and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. Thank you for listening.